Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, guys. This is Alice. I would like to let you know this episode is not a part of our Stalin series, but due to recent events, we decided this was more urgent than our dead friend Stalin. Enjoy the show! Greetings, comrades! This episode is going to be more about the recent news than anything else, but... It's there because I think it's um, it's really important to speak about radicalism and trolls and other major issues here, and why you should be careful about everything you read on the internet, really. For starters, I want to speak about a movie which just came out in Russia. The movie is called Matilda, and it's a movie by Alexei Uchichel. And the movie is just about our ex... <laughs> ex-emperor Tsar Nikki II, well, in his youth days. It was also co-financed by the Ministry of Culture, and, and at least because of the reasons that, you know, this year is the 100th anniversary of the October Revolution, which will be, you know, celebrated in Russia this year. And the movie is about the relationships of then-future Emperor Nicholas II and ballerina Matilda Kshesinskaya. And everything would be kind of nice and okay, because this is not a documentary, this is a fictional movie, it's just a romantic historical piece about how young Nikki II, before he even became emperor, even though he was married at the time, sort of, uh, he, he had this arranged marriage and everything, but he fell in love with this Matilda, this ballet dancer, and um, and yeah, that, that's about it. It's about his his love, his romance for this for this dancer. Now, the problem here is that, and I didn't know this fact before, the problem here is that Nikki II is officially a saint of the Orthodox Church of Russia. I don't know, I don't know exactly when that happened, but apparently he is. And, well, even though he shot cannons at his own people, he got the sainthood just because he was the last Tsar and was violently murdered by Bolsheviks, and, uh, I don't know. People claimed that his, he has icons of him and stuff, and 
they don't really understand this fact, and I'm, I'm pretty sure some Orthodox people here will be, uh, who listen to our show, will be able then to comment this on the page and on the Facebook comments. But yeah, the idea is it's an artistic movie about how Nicholas II had this love affair with Matilda. And the problem is, due to the Russian current laws about not, you know, about how insulting the feelings of the believers is a crime, yeah, th- this has gone under this thing. Because, for starters, there is Natalia Poklonskaya, who used to be the chief chief procurator of the Crimean, Crimean kind of peninsula when, when the Russians took over there, but now she's a deputy of Gosduma. And she just heard about this movie, it wasn't even out yet, and she just dropped on to defend Nicholas II, because she, she considered that this movie kind of degrades Nicholas II completely. Now, and that, that is very weird, because, uh, I, I know, uh, I don't understand exactly why Nikki's saint, but he is. But this is an artistic movie. It's not a documentary. It's not mocking him. It's just showing him in his, you know, him being very humane, growing up in this uh, noble society, uh, showing him as a real person with real emotions and like, you know, feeling this this love, which he knows can't go on because, you know, he, he has this arranged marriage that he has to go into. And he's just a young person there. He's not even the emperor there. It, it seems kind of like a very heartfelt and humane thing. Well, it turns out that there are a lot of problems with this because Miss Poklonskaya, who was arrived here from Kramer, uh, she stated that, yeah, that it is, it, this movie is basically evil and terrible. And her, her argument started with the fact that the leading role of Nicky himself was played by German actor Lars Eidinger, who, kind of, uh, according to Polins, uh, to Poklanskaya and her uh, chosen hand-picked experts, was put into a porno actor's, uh, porn actor's bunch, because uh, she would complain that Nikki is played by someone who's done porn. Well, he has done some shoots with Peter Greenwell, Greenway, sorry, and, and uh, the role of Matilda is being played by a Polish, act- Polish actress, uh, Michalina Olszanskaya, and she also she also had played previously a role which was kind of interesting. She played uh, a girl who was um, uh, who who was kind of uh, a terrorist. She played previously. She played a girl who had suffered uh, suffered a lot in her childhood, and so she took her revenge uh, took her revenge by committing a terror act. So it's so it's weird because yeah the fact that these actors in this specific movie had had done some um, some kind of questionable roles according to Poklonska even though they're just actors yeah this alone was a reason why this movie was evil and terrible and should be banned so she just openly in her speech uh, this deputy of Gosduma stated that we do not need such fascism and such heresy and such, basically, humiliation of our traditional Christian values. And that seems kind of weird, but what happened next was, was like, even crazier. You see, there is, um, there is an Orthodox radical organization. It's called um, the Christian State, the Holy Russia. Um, they, they are not 
very much recognized by the Orthodox Church. They are, well, I'd, I'll, I'll use this term, very weird radical cultists. They're, they're something like ISIS, but Orthodox. And they believe that the Holy Russia is an extra holy state and that everything there should be basically theocratic or something. So these guys, these very radical dudes, they, uh, they offended the authors of Matilda and they wrote a huge letter to them claiming that this movie, this artistic movie, which shows that the, just this very humane Nikki II is doing this, just that. That it is insulting the, insulting the feelings of the believers. And they threatened violence to those cinemas where this movie would be shown. Further on, what happened was that burnings of cinemas by this organization started started long before even the, the movie premiered. And this is <clears throat> this is from internetsabor.org, which is a news site in Russia which is dedicated <clears throat> in the name of truth and respect of the Orthodox Church there. And they have an article, Matilda and Fire. The burnings of the cinemas have started long before the, the premiere of the, the movie. It was written on the 4th of September 2017 by Mohaninya Vera. <laughs> they burnt the studio of Alexei Uchitel. They, uh, they basically took a bunch of gasoline and uh, burnt a cinema, which was approximately 200 meters from the place where the Tsarist family was shot. And yeah, they they burnt this. Another another of of these cinemas was basically crashed into by a car, which was like a micro a micro bus car, which was full with with the balloons of gas and uh, kind of cans canisters of gasoline. And yeah, this was done, and it, it burned down, and the the kind of the driver of this micro bus he declared that he's against the showing of this movie Matilda the responsibility for this was taken by this uh, christian state holy russia or christianskaya gosudarstvo svetaya rus and they once again warned that um, the cinemas will be really burned in the case that they show this Matilda Now, something has been done, but the response hasn't been very active, especially since you know how the police works in Russian government. And recently, one of the guys who really burned, burned stuff, uh, one of these guys got arrested until the 11th of November. He was, he was arrested as a member of this active organization, Christian State, the Holy Russia. And there was an interview about this. And, uh, one of them, Alexander Byanov, declared that everyone who wa- watches that movie needs to burn. So, next to the cinema, uh, in they burned a bunch of empty cars, while, and, and like right next to the cars that they burned, like they just burned cars who were parked next to the cinema because of this movie, and they posted notes on the cars which weren't bur- burnt but were just standing right next to this. Uh, with with the text on them, <clears throat> you will burn for Matilda. Interestingly enough, this is a really radical, <laughs> radical situation here because 
the movie wasn't even shown back then, and when they started showing them, yeah, these mass burnings started. But very few people have been arrested, and this Christian state organization isn't even like they're they're not saying is is that they're not saying that they're terrorists. So they basically just have arrested some people. They aren't cracking down on this uh, on this organization, even though uh, even though they have a YouTube channel, which is by the way uh, signed up for and subscribed by twenty six thousand people, and they started in two thousand and twelve. And you know, if you look at if you look at their if you look at their videos, you can see interesting video answers to questions such as. <clears throat> Can an orthodox woman, can an orthodox woman use cosmetics and makeup? Or another one. <clears throat> can you get possessed by watching horror movies? And now they've been looked at, as it's reported there by the Russian government, but really there haven't been any huge crackdowns there. And yeah, what they started basically doing at the January this year when they found out about this movie of Alexei Uchitsev's was they started spreading public announcements, which stated, quote, Every banner, uh, every, every piece of advertisement, everything about the information of the showing of the movie Matilda will be looked at as your willingness to mock the saints of the Orthodox Church and as a provocation that could lead to a Russian Maidan. So, yeah, these guys are radicals who burn cars, and who uh, burn cars of innocent people who are just bystanders, who burn cinemas, uh, who actually were preparing for even more mass burnings, but it was kind of stopped, because one of the guys was caught while with, with tons of gasoline, just, you know, within cans, he was waiting just to pour it on the cinema in the night, he was arrested. And then he was just let go. And was shown on the television because, you know, hey, that's kind of not cool, you shouldn't burn things. So these are the modern day radicals in Russia. And they support this burning of this this movie, which is essentially just a historical romantic drama, as I as I think, I don't know. It's like, it's like uh, if you would start burning cinemas because, I don't know, if Scottish people would start burning cinemas because Braveheart was showing, and that's totally not historically accurate, okay? So, that's kind of weird. And also, this, this dude who, who was arrested for the attack on the cinema Cosmos, he was 39 years old, his name was Denis Murashov, and it's kind of interesting because he is the the etalon, the standard of those people who are to this day in Russia called the <clears throat> warrioring orthodox patriots, if you would judge for his social <laughs> social network stuff. He's a radical believer, he's a homophobe, he's a fan of football. And though, you know, he is, however, on the list of mental ill people, he's He's um, on, the, on the list of people with mental illnesses, however. So in Adnaklasniki, or, you know, Classmates, which is a Russian social network, on his page, he writes, quote, Orthodox people, do not take electronic documents of any kind. Saint Paisi, Sviatogorets Afonsky, and many other 
Many other uh, saints from the older days warned us about it. Taking, taking and using electronic documents, that means leaving Christ behind and it is a sin. And, yeah, <laughs> this Paisiafonsky, he's a cult figure to these uh, radical Orthodox believers, these, these radical groups. Paisiafonsky, he also recommended, uh, recommended just, you know, uh, recommended leaving your passports behind, throwing them out, and recommended just not using anything where some code was put in there, because that might contain the symbols from the devil. And uh, there's another writing just next to it uh, of this of this guy's wall, and it says, "If the new po new fascists power in Ukraine will allow uh, will allow gay weddings, then that means this power, this state, is from the devil." This is kind of interesting because all his writings are also kind of they they are pictures of churches there. And he's also posted big pictures where he's just like swimming somewhere. And the weirdest part is that uh, he also has a bunch of pictures of his football matches, and and kind of the in the background of the in the World Championship 2008 symbolics. And this is kind of interesting because such things happen there, and they're very radical. And you think about it, this is what happens, like I've mentioned in the PDRP when. When you become totally radicalized. These are Russian Orthodox terrorists. They are literally terrorists, but nobody's calling them that way. And these guys, again, think that uh, if, if gay marriage is allowed, that means fascists did it. And this episode is all about how to, how to be a fascist and fight against fascism at the same time, because... You know, it seems kind of oxymoronic that a fascist government would ever allow, uh, never allow, you know, gay weddings. But apparently, they do. And what this leads into is not so much Matilda, but who are these anti-fascists and how these terrorist organizations and other paramilitary radical organizations in Russia claim that they are fighting against fascism. Because... Even these burnings of a cinema and everything, yeah, even they are in the way presented as a battle against fascism. And not just that. Here, let's just, let's just do a quick recap about who are the people in Russia today who are mostly concerned about fighting against fascism. So, first and foremost, the major anti-fascists, obviously, are the Donetsk and Luhansk separatists who are, you know, actually Russian-funded and supplied mercenaries, but doesn't matter. Because, see, they're fighting against the fascists in Ukraine. And in a way, they also want to fight against fascists uh, everywhere, especially, especially uh, the guys in Great Britain. Because apparently, as I posted in one of my previous modern-day modern, modern day news segments, uh, <clears throat> people of Donetsk and, and, like, Russians in general shall only be happy when the Great Britain is conquered. So, yeah, apparently Great Britain is also full of fascists and completely, totally fascist. Then, of course, we have Mr. Putin himself, who is constantly fighting against the fascists and who had, who had succeeded at this by liberating Crimea, again, from the fascist Ukraine. And is now, according to himself and his propaganda, the only force in the world that can stand against the fascist imperial West. Then there's also my previously mentioned radical or radical orthodox organization which are just 
very weird people, and uh, I I think that you know, Orthodox people all around the world should 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 kind of um, post things about that you really shouldn't do that because that's not very Orthodox of them. What they're going, what, what's going on there right now? Then obviously there are the national Bolsheviks. They are, uh, and uh, let me let me not even let me not even get to, to how this is wrong when you call yourselves national Bolsheviks and your flag is essentially Nazi Germany's flag, except you replace swastika with a hand grenade, a black hand grenade, uh, and and um, they're a terrorist organization. They're very hateful towards us, the fascists in the Baltic states. And they're very, very anti-fascist because that's written in their program and they claim to be the most anti-fascist organization out there fighting for equal rights, except when it comes to, you know, minorities because they hate those guys. They especially hate non non-ethnic Russians from, from all the stands, like from Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan and all those places. Uh, and uh, Azerbaijan too and all these Caucasus people of Tajikistan. They hate all the... All the foreign workers that come to Russia. They hate them too, but they're totally uh, anti-fascist, absolutely. Then we also have Mr. Zhirinovsky, uh, the Gosduma deputy, leader of the Liberal Democrats Party, who is in reality a very controlled opposition uh, of the UNRC, United Russia Party, and he's basically a mouthpiece for Putin, say, stating the most radical things possible so that Putin himself wouldn't have to say that. And uh, he's a guy who... Often in public and on television, and even in debates, where when they actually get some foreigners there, they, uh, they he actually openly calls for nuking of fascist United States of America and fascist Europe, because we are all crazy evil fascists. Me, you, everyone who's listening to this show, yeah, everyone's a fascist, and we should totally be nuked, because we spread our NATO fascism to everyone. Evil fascists, evil gay fascists at that. And, uh, you know, uh, interestingly enough that when Trump got elected, this guy held a massive, massive celebration with his party to celebrate how the United States would move away from their democratic fascist policies. But that turned out to be a dud, as after the new sanctions that Trump signed on 2nd of August, he's also now on the enemy number one list as the world's largest fascist. Because, obviously, everyone who's not pro-Kremlin is a filthy fascist. Then, there are the Putin's biker gangs, who are not allowed in the EU. The so-called Night Wolves. These guys are dudes who are not allowed in the European Union for their every year rides to Berlin on their bikes to kind of post a Soviet flag right next to Reichstag, uh, that way memorializing Russia's basically Soviet great victories there. They're all friends of Vladimir Putin, and uh, the president of this Night Wolves Club, which they're very, very, very anti-fascist, uh, the president of this is Alexander Zlatostanov, whose name is, uh, like, an official name, his nickname is Surgeon, and he's very much tied to Vladimir Putin and Kremlin's politics. These bikers, who are usually, you know, bikers would be rebelling against things, they'd be, you know, anti-authority guys. No, uh, basically, they are another of the... Kremlin's soft power instruments in the countries of the ex-USSR, the president of this club openly praises Putin, from whom, by the way, he acquired the Medal of Honor for active work in the patriotic, uh, pa pa patriotic raising of the youth, and uh, he, he fights against protesters for democracy, 
because he's also a leader of the organization called Anti-Maidan, who believes that any any protest actions against the current government are fascist, anti-patriotic, and very evil. These guys, these night wolves, who are, again, not allowed in the European Union, they're also racist, by the way, and very homophobic. Uh, but yeah, these guys actively support the annexion, the annexion of Crimea. They actively support the very same, their very anti-fascist friends in Donetsk and Luhansk. These guys, uh, when, when the annexation was going on, these guys were among those who were patrolling in the streets of Crimea, and they participated uh, in taking over Ukrainian military bases there, and they captured and uh, abducted at least one uh, one Ukrainian army officer. These Nightwolf guys are also volunteers in Donbass, and their greatest hope is of <clears throat> unification of the Russian world. That would mean taking Ukraine, taking uh, t- taking Belarus, reconquering us, maybe grabbing Alaska one day from the United States. And that's kind of kind of crazy. These things are very active here, and they always kind of participate in our politics. They are one of the tools which the Russian government uses right now to influence our own politics. Because before the 12th uh, elections in 2014, the autumn 2014, among the a bunch of bunch of like you know these political newspapers which are spread everywhere when elections come, there was a newspaper which was printed by the so-called Latvian Russian Union. And uh, Edvins Putje was there on the main cover, and he was sitting on this biker, and he was—he's uh, sitting on this bike, and he was this biker representing these night wolves, supporting these things. Weirdly enough, for this Putje guy, this was the third uh, biker club. He previously, by the way, had uh, had worked in the party uh, Sovereignty. When responding to questions. When about, you know, why did he join these Nightwolf guys? He responded that uh, they are ideologically close to him and that he likes the idea of the <clears throat> friendship of nations. So he wanted to join these Nightwolves. And how he d- describes the organization is that they are the absolutely apolitical uh, organization. And, uh, you know, the, he also commented on the fact uh, of how this surgeon, this leader of the Russian Night Wolves, openly praises Putin and is basically working for him. And he just comments that it is, I think it is completely normal that citizens, uh, citizens support their president. He commented on this uh, unification of the Russian world by stating that... Uh, by stating that <clears throat> the unification of the Russian world is all about spiritual values, on the basis of which are the economical ones, and any unification is better than splitting apart. Uh, when when asked about whether or not this Russian Russian world project would threaten the Baltic countries in any way or form, he responded that you know we shouldn't really we shouldn't really you know think so highly of ourselves that this territory is only necessary for NATO. Russia does not need the Baltic countries whatsoever, but he also responded that he's against spewing hatred from any side whatsoever. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So when he speaks about this uh, not spewing hatred, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he doesn't include for the fact that they have uh, beaten up gay people in the streets, they have beaten up people with a different skin color than they are, they are taking, obviously, these uh, radical terrorist flags from Donetsk and Luhansk on their trip. They were trying, at least, to. They're doing this ride. Yeah, well, um, typical Antifa for Russia. Now, I'll get to my point here, because, you know, some of you might have noticed that I'm skeptical about Antifa organizations in in, uh, in America because of this. But, you know, if, if every anti-fascist around you that you hear about all the time and you see these people yelling at you about how anti-fascist they are, are like this, then you're obviously skeptical about everyone who's, who says that they're anti-fa or anti-fascist, even though they these organizations are not related. It's just that in Russia, in Russia, they use this term, fighting against fascism, so that they wouldn't have to say that they're pro-Putin, they wouldn't have to say that they're very nationalistic themselves. And for them, I think fascism means something quite different than we and the rest of the world associate with it. Because for us, fascism, for the most part, is, is you know, these these hateful things that are going on the, the, the right here, this discrimination, this oppression and stuff. But not so in Russia. Because, and, and my theory goes like this, because, you know, they're, they're very, very proud of their great victory in, in World War II, although they don't call it World War II, they call it the Great Patriotic War, as World War II started in 1939, and uh, they were a part of it, allied with Hitler at the beginning, just just saying. But the idea is that, you know, you, if you if you would be kind of democratic and nice, then you would state that, you would state that you are based on democratic values. Well, in Russia, they can't really say that, because they don't have any democratic values, and the world, word liberal is used as an insult in modern-day Russian politics. A lot of people speak about the so-called liberists. They, it's a portmanteau of liberal and pederast, so they just join that together. Again, because liber- liberals are apparently supporters of gay fascists all over the place. So, you know, uh, as they're very, very proud and they're pushing this mega-propaganda that this defeat over, over Nazi Germany was the greatest achievement of the Russia like ever made, and as they are quite lacking modern-day achievements these days, and their economy isn't that great, they have to play their patriotic nationalism on something, so they chose this anti-fascist platform. And when they picked it, it was basically so that they could state that they are the good guys, while not mentioning any of the rotten West values, such as, you know, democracy, freedom of speech, you know, all these things that we've grown used to. And it works. It works in the insider propaganda and in the level that there are a lot of people in modern-day Russia who really believe that we over here in the West, and at this point I am in the West because I am in a EU country, and they believe that my country has been ruined by EU, and they believe that NATO is the tool of the devil. Some of them literally believe that, such as these, <laughs> such as these uh, orthodox 
orthodox crazy guys, and I don't even want to call them orthodox because they're literally just terrorists who have nothing in common with real orthodoxy, I think. But but yeah, so they, they just hide their own hide their own villainy, basically. They hide their own they hide their own wicked ideals behind this battle against fascism. And knowing how Putin likes to influence things, he likes to show to his people that he's only against the evil fascist governments of the West, and that actually he likes to show that the people in the Western countries uh, also support him. So that's why they kind of pay off some guys to come from, I don't know, UK or Canada or United States to Russia and say how nice and pretty everything in Russia is and how Russia is way less corrupt and way less evil than the country they come from. Yeah, they're all like paid people. And in recent in the recent light of events, and, you know, I, I bought into troll stuff. I really bought into some troll stuff. I got trolled and, and misled about some things. But then I thought about this, and it's very real that Putin might actually be using these university radicals, anti-fi radicals of the United States, like the Black Bloc, and they might be just trying to find the most radical anti-fi organization in the United States, and they might be using them for their own goals. Like, recently there was an article about how these how these Antifa guys in the United States, that they do terrible things, how they practice with knives and such, and and there was an article about how those guys, the Antifa in the United States, they have, like, fully loaded AK-47s in their vans in case some of their protests or some of their actions go wrong, and there was a YouTube video about that when one of them shows off their their illegal guns there. But then you think about it, and you might understand that these people might actually not be so radical, because I highly doubt that college kids who wear Che Guevara t-shirts and, I don't know, want to smoke weed every day, probably, or whatever, that these kids are actually, you know, pro-Putinist. I fail, I fell for that at one point. I really did. This is why this important, this episode is important for me as well, because if you think about it, if you think about it, it actually helps Putin to be able to kind of quite possibly fund the most radical elements of this Antifa movement and just create bad publicity for them in America while he can show in his home front that, hey, we're supporting these fighters against fascism and the evil American government is oppressing them. That is because Americans are all fascists, right? And the idea here being is that if you see someone very radical doing some crazy things and posting on YouTube videos, yeah, this might have nothing to do with, like, your regular college kids who are just actually, you know, against real fascism, which is a great goal. <laughs> but this is this is just all the sign about how even I used to think about these situations and what's going on with this anti-fascist movement in Russia and their paramilitary groups and their terrorists who even call an artistic movie, Matilda, to be a fascist thing. This whole thing comes down to the fact that we've we've radicalized ourselves and we don't we don't really know how to use the internet and for this I would like to quote an article Don't forget to just for Russian trolls by Connor Friedensdorf in The Atlantic it was written in October 20th 2017 And he writes about the fact that that America's authentic online behavior actually isn't quite as terrible as people like to imagine, and that everyone's not as radical, and when you see something that maybe shocks you and you think, oh no, the other side just did this, wow, they're, they're all evil, they might not be so. See, in 2015, Adrian Chen, 
wrote a piece called The Agency, which was an impressive look at an operation in St. Petersburg, Russia, where, quote, an army of well-paid trolls, end quote, tried to wreak havoc in American communities. They were fabricating a toxic fume disaster in St. Mary Parish, Louisiana. They were fabricating a fake news about Ebola outbreak in Atlanta, Georgia. And among their other exploits... What happened was that a total, a quote, quote from this, this piece, a totally different group of accounts began spreading a rumor that an unarmed black woman had been shot to death by police. They all used the hashtag, hashtag shocking murder in Atlanta. Here again, the hoax seemed designed to piggyback on real public anxiety. That summer and fall were marked by protests over the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson. In this case, a blurry photo purports to show the shooting as an onlooker narrates. And of course, this, uh, other, other piece from other other quote from this piece. <clears throat> a Facebook group, Spread Your Wings, described itself as a, quote, community for everyone whose heart is with America, end quote. Spread Your Wings posted photos of American flags and memes about how great it was to be an American, but the patriotism rang hollow once you tried to parse the frequent criticisms of Obama, an incoherent mishmash of liberal and conservative attacks that no actual American would espouse, because really these groups based in Russia, they don't know how American politics work, so they might, they might post liberal attacks to Republican Party, and then they might post conservative attacks towards the Democratic Party, and no one would care. Because what they want to do is that they want to create divides in society. There was also Art Gone Conscious Facebook group, which posted bad art and then tenuously connected it to Obama's foreign policy failures. And obviously self-explanatory celebrities against Obama. And these posts churned out every day by this network of pages were commented on and shared by the same group of trolls who posted there. It was, quote, a virtual Potomkin village of disaffected Americans. And since then, obviously, everyone has learned that Russian trolls organized anti-immigrant rallies in two states. They posed online as Black Lives Matter supporters in one instance, and as members of a Muslim American organization in another one. These guys hoped to spark discord among the West, especially in America. So technically, if you think about it, if you ever felt... Uh, if you ever felt at a complete loss and you just couldn't understand how some of your neighbors could possibly reach certain conclusions about politics or whatever, you might consider that they could have been, like, targeted by some teens in a Macedonian village who are bent on just tricking them. And it's literally in a village from Macedonia. Because from another article... <clears throat> Over the past year, the Macedonian town of Velesh, population 45,000, has experienced a digital gold rush as locals launched at least 140 United States politics websites. These sites have American-sounding domain names, such as worldpoliticos.com, trumpvision365.com, usconservativetoday.com, and usadailypolitics.com. They, 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 they are almost all just paid trolls who basically ran, ran to mess up things. And these Macedonians, according to reports, they don't even care about these politics. They're just responding to straightforward economic incentives. And as Facebook kind of reveals to people in their earnings reports, a, a United States Facebook user is worth about four times as user outside the United States. So the fraction of a penny per click of United States display advertising, which is a declining market for American publishers, yeah, that goes a long way in this velish. So there are a bunch of teens and young men who who just run these sites, and, you know, they have learned that the best way to generate traffic for them in ad revenue is to get their politics stories to spread on Facebook. 
And the best way how to do it is post sensational materials and crazy stuff so that you would get angry at this and then people get shared. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this, these guys are just not, not only guys who see profit and they also obviously get some funding from um, certain interesting um, adversaries and people who might be interested in spewing this dissent here. And another another quote from this article, quote, The 3,000 ads that have been linked to Russia are a drop in the bucket, even if they did reach millions of people. The real game is simply that Russian operatives created pages that reached people organically, as the saying goes. Jonathan Albright, research director in the Tau Center for Digital Journalism at Columbia University, pulled data on the six publicly known Russia-linked Facebook pages. He found that their posts had been shared 340 million times, and those were six of the 470 pages that Facebook has linked to Russian operatives. And you're probably talking about billions of shares here, with who knows how many views, and with what kind of specific targeting. So, like I said, Putin is probably making sure that the radical shocking news that someone you know you know has shared are actually way more radical and way more crazy than than what actually is going on. And this this fact, this sensationalism and this craziness, it's just and what's going on in Russia itself, like I said, this was all about all about this one movie Matilda. Because these people got into their heads that it's that, that Mr. Putin, the president, the bringer of the sacred Russian nation, back again and whatever, that that this was that this is this is real and they have to do this. And you're all fascist in the West, so you must be manipulated. And they just they just laugh when when massive hatred is going on there. And like I said, I fell for this, and I specifically specifically fell for an article written by the Telegraph, no less, mind you. It was an article which said student forces Cambridge to drop white authors. And they were, this article was published in October 25th. And as I read it, what I saw there was the fact that uh, a, a black lady had a black student of this university that she had uh, written a petition, an open letter on, on students so that they would decolonize their English faculty. And so that, you know, and the article, as originally stated, presented this as the Cambridge University would be forced to replace white authors with black writers and that, for example, Shakespeare would get caught and a lot of, you know, classics would just get caught just because they're white. And it kind of stunned me and I fell for this. It seemed like, hey, well, what's going on here? I didn't think. Well, it turns out recently these guys in the Telegraph had posted a very, very tiny corrections and clarifications thing stating that, quote, <clears throat> An October 25th article incorrectly stated that under proposals by academic staff in response to an open letter from students on decolonizing its English faculty, Cambridge University will be forced to replace white authors with black writers. The proposals were in fact recommendations. Neither they nor the open letter called for the university to replace white authors with black ones and there are no plans to do so. Essentially, what these students asked was a perfectly normal thing that they would, you know, expand the curriculum of uh, this English literature by including, you know, more people who are, well, not British, not in the classical sense, I mean, I mean, you know, they, they would like more people of color there, they like more Indians, you know, they, they just want a normal thing, they want the curriculum to expand according to the times, and they want more diversity there, because, yeah, you know, as, as, you know, I, I probably would also be there, because, you know, I'm a foreigner and I, I produce my content in English, 
So, you know, probably if we get big enough, hey, maybe maybe we can be in some liter- literature class somewhere or, or podcasting class if they open one. So this is perfectly reasonable. Now, the problem is that the original article itself, even from the Telegraph, which I I had thought was a decent, really respectable newspaper, these guys duped me by their, like, sensationalist radical thing. So, in conclusion here... Like the article says there, uh, which I just, just talked about. Don't forget to adjust for Russian trolls. If you see something on the internet that seems ultra-radical and ultra-crazy, understand that, you know, it might not be someone... It might not be like your fellow countrymen or fellow people, even those who you disagree with, are somehow gone crazy. Maybe the Antifa kids are just college kids and the radicals you see are A, either fake, or B, you know, it's why I wouldn't really be surprised if Putin would be funding some of the more radical elements of them, because that directly plays into his policy and propaganda that he's the most powerful anti-fascist ever. The thing is, the Russian news and the things you probably didn't know were these about Matilda, where real weirdly enough, radical orthodox terrorism and extremely radical orthodox terrorism. And again, I'd like to say that this has nothing to do with the real orthodox church and because they're very nice people, they're, they're kind and generous and they participate in a lot of charity. These guys have nothing to do with real orthodoxy or real Christianity in any way or form. The fact is that, that you don't hear about the terror acts going on there. You don't hear about the really crazy radicalism that's going on there. But the, these guys, so that, you know, you would shift your attention elsewhere and shift your attention away from real problems or from actually crazy radical problems going on in Russia, yeah, millions of free posts, millions of trolls, millions of face fa- Facebook accounts, just fake Facebook accounts, and the same thing goes on for the comment sections on, on like newspaper sites and everywhere. You have to be careful, because as, um, as a friend of mine stated, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater just because... Some guys have great ideas, the other guys can just come over and radicalize them to no end. At the end, you really, really can't just read articles without double-checking them. You, you can't do that. Because, in a way, if you think that your fellow American or fellow Westerner, and my case fellow European or fellow Latvian, he shared an article which is crazy weird and I don't understand, He's, it's either shocking or, like, it's sensational story. It's most likely not true. Because, actually, everything is pretty boring. And, you know, you can make radical stuff out of everything. Because, like I said, these days, there are real radicals burning cars and burning cinemas and being crazy about a movie, an artistic movie, about Nicky II, who is somehow saint, even though he shot cannons at his own people. Just, just a food for thought, and I'm and I'm sorry for this episode being this way, but I just thought that at this moment where there's radicalism everywhere and where, where it seems that the world is going to hell, well, it's not actually. There are radicals out there in the places you wouldn't expect, but these radicals often hide behind, you know, noble goals, and try to kind of ruin ruin everything for everyone. So this was the Eastern Border, and I hope you learned something from this episode, and we'll be back with Stalin next time. Just remember, adjust for the trolls, and be tolerant to each other, because most probably, if you're shocked by something you read on on social media, it is most likely not true, and there are people out there who burn cinemas and support terrorism and 
are act and, and then they do it in the name of <clears throat> fighting against fascism, even though they're well, way more fascist than anything they could be possibly fighting against. These guys want you to argue. These guys want you to think that everything is super bad in whatever country you live in. Because then, by comparison, it might seem that the mm, orderly state authority of Mr. Putin is safe, that there are no protests there, and that everything's going on nicely there. It's all in the head, people, and um, I'd like to promote critical reasoning here in this show. So that's about it for today, and don't fall for sensationalist articles. До свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the Western Border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.